Welcome to Science of Life, a podcast that explores life and ideas through the lens of personality, relationship, and faith. We're your hosts, Jen and Elisa. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We're going to be talking about apologizing. Which is why I would like to take this opportunity to make an apology. I need to apologize for falling asleep during the movie that our book club went to see the other night. Mm. Um, Well, while we're at it, I would also like to apologize for the fact that I put my shoes in a really inconvenient spot. I had to step over those, Jen. I'm sorry. Who does that? Apparently I do. We would also like to apologize to our listeners, wouldn't we, Jen? Yes. Our loyal, loving listeners (laughs) who have been waiting with Bated breath mm-hmm. for the next of our weekly podcasts, mm-hmm. which was late by how how many weeks? Our most recent weekly podcast was sixty four weeks ago. Yeah, so we yep. would, we would like to apologize for our uh, our very lengthy absence. Our very lengthy absence. And we would also like to take this moment to announce that in the future, moving forward, they will not be weekly podcasts. They will be bi-weekly podcasts. Yes. Yeah. Every two weeks. So please accept our humble apology, dear and loyal listeners. Please forgive us. Our producer, Erin, has a question for us. Erin? Hi, ladies. Hi. Hey, Erin. This has been a long break that you guys have taken, and during that break, you guys did go on some trips with your kids and family, and I have a question for you guys about um, more just, if you could, in one word, describe your family, what would it be? In one word? Only one word. And just go off your gut, because usually that's the right one. Our whole family. Your whole family. A word that describes our family. Um, <laughs> based on all of our experiences, mm-hmm. our very close quarter experiences that's with our what kids. I was thinking. Yep. I'm going <laughs> I'm going to say we're big. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing I mean honestly that was the thing because we took so we took a road trip Mm -hmm. like you did Elisa but we drove in our minivan with our four kids and our dog across the country we drove from Phoenix to Seattle and back and the hardest thing about that was the fact that we were in this minivan all squished together with all of our stuff and then finding accommodations that would for six people and a dog yes it was, it was very challenging. I mean, we made it work and I, I feel like I should write a blog about it now, about how, how we actually ended up doing it. But that was the biggest, the, the, fact, the fact that we were big was just like a bit, it was a big deal that we were big. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So you said go off of your gut. Mm-hmm. And the word that popped into my head is going to sound like a snotty or braggy word, but I don't exactly mean it that way. Especially after what I just said. <laughs> after what I just said. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was going to say brainy. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, and obviously that 
couldn't play smart, which I think my kids are smart and I guess taught in me as well. But more, we we took a trip as well, as you mm-hmm. pointed out, Aaron and Jen. Uh, we were in our RV for a long time. And of course, our personalities were bumping up against each other quite a bit. And um, just the way my kids interacted with that trip and the way they interact with the world tends to be more about what's going on in their heads than necessarily what they're experiencing outside of like I I don't Mm. know they they kind of take everything in through a lens of what they think about it and so like my oldest is very philosophical and my second oldest is very principled and my third is very creative and my fourth is very opinionated (laughs) and (laughs) and it's like everything is kind of coming through their their brains and how they think about things so yes my kids are smart but it's also like they're very much in their heads and what they think about things. And I think Todd and I also evaluate a lot in terms of how we're, how we're thinking about things, like how we're processing things. Well, yeah. how it's so di- each person is so different Yeah, in how they experience things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That was awesome. <laughs> I could have picked those words for both of you. Yeah. <laughs> Did uh, you pick words for us? Oh, I should have. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as Jen said earlier, this is our apology episode. We're talking about apologizing, um, and we are basing that a bit or quite a bit or almost entirely (laughs) on Gary Chapman's book, When Sorry Isn't Enough. Uh, My sister first alerted me to this book, and Jen, I think you also were Mm -hmm. aware of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gary Chapman, of course, is the author of The Five Love Languages. Uh, he, He actually wrote this with Jennifer Thomas, and I believe... She was the co-author of the five love languages too. Does that sound right? I have no idea. Sure, let's say it. Let's say she <laughs> co-authored. <laughs> um, well, she, anyway, she co-authored this one. Uh, so Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas wrote this book, uh, "When Sorry Isn't Enough," and like the five love languages, they came up with five apology languages, and this was based on um, Gary Chapman in particular and his experience as a counselor. Um, especially as a marriage counselor, um, he had started to observe that apologies sometimes really mean a lot to the person who's hearing it and sometimes can kind of fall flat and not be received well. And he started to observe that there were some consistent similarities in the ways that people wanted to give apologies and ways that people wanted to be apologized to. Mm. Um, And so they wrote this book. Mm. And so we're going to look at what those five apology languages are. We're going to talk about what our own might be and then also sort of speculate about how different personalities may make use of those apology languages. So first and foremost, though, Jen, do you think there's validity to this idea that people apologize in different ways? I do. I do. I remember I don't even remember how I came across this. I'm sure it was some random like pinterest search or something and when i i remember just seeing it and having it actually kind of made an impact on me when i first saw it Mm. the idea that someone would hear me apologizing or i would be attempting to make something right with someone else and that they wouldn't it would not be effective they would not believe it or receive it or whatever um it it felt like a moment of clarity for me and it helped me to understand too like oh i'm Maybe that's why I haven't heard other people apologizing to me in the past, you yeah. know? So I'm going to say it was affirming for me because 
when my husband and I were newlyweds, we realized that our ways of apologizing were different and what mattered to him is not necessarily what mattered to me. And instead of us seeing that that meant we had different apology languages, it was, there was sort of this conflict about the best way to apologize. And we, we finally sort of came to see eye to eye on it, but the way, the way we went about apologies early on in our marriage was the way that he especially liked to have apologies done. And I, I Mm kind of came to the viewpoint that that was the right way to do Mm -hmm. apologies Mm -hmm. because I saw how much it meant to him and we can explore more what that was and why I think there's still some validity to that particular apology language that he liked Mm. early in our marriage. But this was sort of uh, freeing for me to realize that there there are different ways and what matters to one person doesn't necessarily matter quite as highly to another person that was kind of um, validating to realize that it's okay to have, to have different ways of apologizing. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the basic rundown of those five apology languages are these, there's expressing regret. There's accepting responsibility. There's making restitution there's genuinely repenting and there's requesting forgiveness. Mm. So those are the five and we'll take a look at what each of those mean and look like. Um, Gary Chapman assigns something you may say for each of those. So for expressing regret, that's just a simple, I'm sorry. Saying I'm sorry communicates to the other person um, that you regret what you've done Uh, or what you failed to do and how it affected the other person. Uh, It is an acknowledgement that you hurt them. So saying Mm. I'm sorry acknowledges that you have hurt them. Then what you might say for accepting responsibility is I was wrong. Uh, This is the one in particular where making excuses can be hurtful. If, If someone has a primary apology language of accepting responsibility than saying, I'm sorry, this is the reason I did that feels particularly hurtful to somebody like that because they just want to hear that you are acknowledging that you did wrong. Mm. And so bringing excuses in takes away from the validity of the apology. And so in this case, and it's, it's an acknowledgement of being in the wrong. Mm. For making restitution, the question a person might ask is how can I make it right? Uh, So the apology must be accompanied by that question. What can I do to show you that I still care about you? And this is the one um, where he says that the five love languages are important because sometimes with making restitution, it's, it's obvious. Like if you have broken something that belongs to somebody else, you know, you want to pay to replace it. Yeah. But if it's just that you've hurt somebody's feelings or you've damaged the relationship in some way, making restitution looks like doing something that fits that person's love language. And so if somebody's love language is gifts, for instance, this is the one where showing up with a rose can Mm. mean a lot to say, I've Mm -hmm. apologized and I'm giving you this thing because I know that you love gifts. And so I'm giving you something to show that I still love you. Mm. Uh, So the five love languages are important in this one. Genuinely repenting, the the thing a person might say is, I want to change and uh, this this has to do with making clear, I've done wrong, I don't want to do wrong in the future, and I'm committed to changing. Mm. And he says that um, that one's hard. Some people are reluctant to do this because 
uh, they're afraid that they won't change. So what's the point of making the promise of changing if there's no follow through? But he says for someone who has this as their primary apology language, uh, that person can't read your mind. So if you're committed to changing, you need to communicate that verbally inwards to the person so that they know you're committed to changing. And then, of course, you have to actually do it. That you know They have to see that there is change. But um, if it matters to the other person that you're going to change in the future, then you have to verbally mm-hmm. commit out loud. Um, and so this is an acknowledgement that you have room to grow. And then the final one, requesting forgiveness. Um, the thing a person may say is, can you find it in your heart to forgive me? Uh, this puts the future of the relationship in the hands of the offended person, because when you say, will you forgive me? That's a vulnerable place to be in. Most of the time, of course, the person is going to say, yes, I do. But there is that fear of rejection if yeah. they say, no, I just can't forgive you. Mm. It's mm. an acknowledgement of guilt. So in some ways, it's similar to the I'm sorry, which expresses regret. Yeah. There is an online quiz of sorts. It becomes fairly apparent as you're taking the quiz, the direction each of the questions are tending. Totally. Yeah. But I did find the scenarios interesting because they, yeah. atta- they attach the scenarios to different relationships. Yes. Like a spouse relationship or a coworker relationship yes. or a friend who slighted you or something. And even the scenarios are different because it's like, oh, the, the, your coworker embarrassed you in public versus... Yeah your spouse and you had a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of different scenarios and relationships presented. And I did find that my expectations were actually different. And I mean, depending on the relationship mm -hmm, and even the scenario, Mm. like I, I don't want to be embarrassed. (laughs) Like I'm very sensitive. So that's a really big offense. Like if I felt like if someone humiliated me in public, that would be, a big deal. So the apology feels different than like a common relational sparring between my right. husband and I, you know? Right. That was kind of a funny thing in the quizzes. Cause some of them do feel heavier like that. And yeah. then some of them don't at all. And the apologies feel very <laughs> heavy. Yes. And, and sometimes with yeah. some of those scenarios, I was like, I don't really need any apology in this situation. Whereas others, it felt very heavy and important. Yeah. yeah. So Jen, how did you score on that? So I did the online quiz because I didn't have the book. Um, I scored highest on expressing regret. Okay. And then the second highest was uh, requesting forgiveness. Okay. And those to me do feel a little similar. Mm -hmm. And for those who want to seek forgiveness or have forgiveness sought, I think they kind of seem to go hand in hand. I'm sorry, Mm-hmm. Will you forgive me? If those, if that's the dialogue that we're using, yeah, uh, one leads into the other. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense mm-hmm. that you would have those. Yeah, I um, the difference between accepting responsibility and expressing regret. Just looking at those on like surface value, like just to read those those words, I would have thought accepting responsibility would have been the one that I was higher on because in my mind, when you accept responsibility, you take it all on you and you say, this was all, this was me. Mm-hmm. I accept responsibility for this. Um, whereas the expressing regret, just reading that feels hollow. But then when they were fleshing out the statements that people would be making coming yeah. from this place, I realized, oh, but what I really want is them to express regret. I want yeah. them to say, I feel really badly for hurting you like this Mm -hmm. or for doing this to you. I felt like the accepting responsibility one 
my reaction to that was I, I did not have a good reaction to that because I felt like that was putting it on me or even the repentance one, putting that on me to say, okay, here's what you can do to make it up to me. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Cause that's true with the repenting one that I want to change. One of the suggestions is asking the person you wronged to help you with that, to say, I want to change. Tell me what I can do right. to let you know that I still care about you so much. And you're saying that's too much of a burden on you. If they're the yes. ones that did something wrong, you don't <laughs> yeah. want that burden. Yeah. It's enough to know that they know that they were wrong and what they did wrong yeah. and that they are asking for forgiveness. Yeah. That's Whereas somebody for whom repentance is the highest one, they would probably enjoy being brought into that. Like that would mean a lot to them mm -hmm. for them to ask, what can I do? And to be able to speak into the situation themselves would yeah. mean a lot to them. I'm with you. That That's not what I need to hear. And right. it does feel like almost a burden of responsibility to have that question asked of me. Yeah. Uh, you were not the same as me, right? Because we, we deferred a little bit. A bit. My highest was, accept, was expressing regret. Uh, which was yours also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then my next highest by only one point difference was accepting responsibility. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, knowing, knowing that the person knows that what they did was wrong without making excuses for it. Mm -hmm. So those were my highest two. And my lowest um, was the repenting one, the wanting to help me to not make this mistake in the future. That was my lowest. I had, I had zero for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the accepting responsibility one turned me off because the statements again, that were in the, in the quiz, you know, mm -hmm. they're giving the examples of the statements. I felt like there was no closure with accepting responsibility Okay. in the statements they were making. It was just like, I was wrong. I don't know what I was thinking. And you're right. There were no excuses and that is comforting in and of itself, but then it just left it there. Yeah. Whereas expressing regret at least says I was wrong in this way and I feel really badly about it. Right. Like there's just, there's another step that's being taken yeah. in my mind. It does seem like a lot of these sort of need to be coupled together and are naturally mm. coupled together. Like mm -hmm. if, the, if that very first one is I'm sorry, it seems like the other four all include the I'm sorry plus. Yes. <laughs> like it's yes. I'm sorry plus. Um, whereas someone for whom that's their top one, that's really the main thing they need to hear. It's mm -hmm. just, I acknowledge that I wronged you and I'm so sorry about that. Yes. Uh, the wanting to change one also, I realized that I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't say this to sound cynical, but I know I'm going to keep sinning. I'm going to keep making mistakes. I'm yeah. going to keep wronging people. I know that other people are going to keep wronging me. So the idea of help, help me, I want to change and I want to figure out how to not do this again in the future. I'm like, well, but you're going to do it again in the future. Right? Like that almost feels like I, I expect for it to happen in the future again. Whereas just knowing that right now we're good, that that's all that matters. Because, of course, we're going to keep hurting each other in the future. Maybe at some level, too, we need all five in a way, you know? Yeah but to, to different degrees, like maybe the repentance comes later or, yeah. so, you know, I don't know. That's absolutely <laughs> now it's a tough one. The one that mattered most to my husband when we first got married was, uh, seeking forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And that was a really hard thing for me to do. And when I say that I kind of came around to seeing it from his point of view and feeling like this was the most important one, even after reading the book, I still feel like 
there's a lot of value in this seeking forgiveness one mm-hmm. um, because it's a very humbling process. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry. It's one thing to feel sad about what you've done, but it's just an extra step to look that person in the eye and say, will you forgive me? Like that's a strangely humbling thing to have to do. Mm. And one thing my husband and I were talking about this just recently and kind of remembering how that was important to him when we were first um, newly married and how that hasn't been such a thing for us in recent years. And uh, I think, I think these apology rules matter most uh, in relationships that are new or fragile in some way. Hmm. And you just have to establish the rules of engagement in a way that well-established relationships that are comfortable with each other don't. I mean, of course, you still have to be intentional in your relationships. But I think at least for Todd and I, we understand each other better now. We're able to Mm -hmm. give each other the benefit of the doubt better Mm -hmm. now. Whereas when we were newlyweds, we were kind of figuring out how to talk to each other, how to love each other. And so we had to have those rules of engagement, which included things like this, like how do we apologize? And I don't feel like he and I were both saying, we don't feel like we need that as much anymore because we have more of a comfortable way of relating to each other. I don't know. how. Do you feel the same way? Yes. But I'm also wondering how much of that is, like you said, you give each other the benefit of the doubt because you know each other well. And I would say the same thing for my husband and I as well. There are fewer scenarios in which I'm taking it personally. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we were first married and we didn't really know each other well, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much I was taking yeah. things personally. It was like oh, yeah. I've, almost every moment I was taking things personally. And so there was a lot of conflict and wanting to hear like this validation more. And I, but when we have, I would say if there's a, a larger conflict where we're not seeing eye tie on something, I still feel like I value these things. Yes. Um, but you're right. I don't need to hear them from, from him um, as much because I, I do, I think we're in that same spot. We've been married for a while. You understand each other. Mm-hmm. I can look, I can take a step back more easily now and say, you know, right. Even though I'm really upset about this, he probably didn't mean it like this or, you know, it's to take the step to ask what's actually going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's more understanding for sure. Absolutely. Now we wanted to take a minute to look at this from a personality perspective. And this right here is pure and utter speculation. (laughs) But as we looked at these five ways of apologizing, Mm. there were some patterns that we think we see in terms of different personality types. So of course, if you're listening, we'd love some feedback on what your apology language might be and how that may possibly relate to your personality. But if you want to hear our very unprofessional, unstatistical guesses at how the personalities interact with apology language. (laughs) I mean, that's why you're here, right? Yes. (laughs) Um, This this is what we've got. Um, I think that people with NFs in the middle of their personality type Mm -hmm. want to know that somebody has genuinely repented because this repenting that's the one of I want to change Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. ends have more of a future orientation although Jen as I'm saying this I'm realizing you're an NF and this was low for you so my theory goes right out the window maybe NTs because again with the N there's the future orientation 
Um, I had guessed requesting forgiveness for NTs in part because my husband is an NT and yeah. it was important to him yeah. early on. And to me, forgets, um, requesting forgiveness feels a little more formal, which I associate with a thinking way of interacting, whereas mm. a feeling way of interacting is a little more like warm and relational, mm. which is why the genuinely repenting to me seemed like an NF thing. And requesting forgiveness seemed like an NT thing. Mm. That was my guess. What are your thoughts? I would be interested to hear from other NFs in that regard. Because I, I do think you're right that it is future-oriented. However, again, to me, repentance seems like you're putting that pressure on me to decide what repentance looks like or something. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And maybe that's thinking too much about it. Whereas the... Um, expressing regret is a deep it's almost like when you see the other person there's a deeper level that of understanding that they have about they they understand the their behavior yeah themselves like I don't have to go to them and confront that behavior so um I guess the self-awareness piece of that is what is appealing to me huh that the other person's willing to evaluate themselves at a deeper level yeah and then come and share that and acknowledge that, that yeah you know so i don't i don't know but that re- your idea about the repentance thing is really makes sense interesting but that may not play out in real life <laughs> may it might not but i do think it's interesting well and so here are the others for sfs i guessed expressing regret in part mm. because i'm an sf and uh-huh. that's highest for me but it also makes sense regret is looking more towards the past I'm sorry for what I've done and Mm. S's tend to look at the present and the past more they don't have the same future orientation that N's do Mm. and regret is apologizing for what has been whereas those other ones are looking a little bit more at moving forward Mm. um and again the regret is is just how I how the person has hurt you and so there's kind of that relational component to it that makes sense with a feeler whereas for the sts i was guessing um kind of a combination the well i got really specific here the introverted (laughs) sts want um to accept responsibility that whole i was wrong yeah no excuses yeah the extroverted sts would want to make restitution how can i make it right i do agree with those too yeah Although as you were talking, I had an idea and I'm going to share it. Share it, John. <laughs> um, so you were saying NFs are future oriented. So maybe they would be drawn to a future oriented type of apology. However, usually it's like a stressful scenario, right? And so I almost wonder if appealing to that sensor side that the intuitive does have. Mm, oh, you know what I'm saying? comes out in a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. It'd be more Ooh. of a healing balm. Whereas for the S the and I'm not I'm now repentance is low on yours as well yeah but potentially that idea of like the acts of service the repentance would appeal to that more like idea need almost like healing balm and that stressor for the sensor you know that's a really good point and so for our listeners I whatever you are in your Myers-Briggs personality type if you're an N or an S the opposite of that is going to come out in stressful situations so maybe depending on how stressful the situation is that Mm -hmm. caused the need for forgiveness to be given or an apology to be made could be affecting Mm -hmm. we could actually be seeing the opposite yeah here of what my guesses are (laughs) But maybe not. I mean, it could, like, it could all, again, the quiz, I did find myself responding differently Mm -hmm. to different relationships and 
scenarios. So it could just yeah, vary. Well, interesting. We will provide links, of course, to the quiz and to the book if you're interested. Um, and we would love to hear from you on our social media with some feedback about what your personality is and what kinds of apologies mean the most to you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's time for Winks and Drinks, Jen. We are back with Winks and Drinks. And man, <laughs> we should have 64 weeks worth of Winks we and Drinks to talk about. But, but we're we just going to do one. <laughs> What are we drinking, Jen? We are we are super exciting with our glasses of water here. Here in the Arizona heat. I was going to say yep. the Arizona summer. Technically, it is still summer it everywhere because it's not September 23rd yet. But. And we had a heat advisory today. So, <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. Did you see, it though, that the low next week is going to be 71? Oh, That's lovely. Thank goodness. Yeah. But for now, it is water. Refreshing water delightful sparkling <laughs> water that's our wink or that's our drink mm-hmm. and our wink in light of what we're talking about is gary chapman's book when sorry isn't enough i will say having read it myself it is a short quick easy read i believe this content should have been or not should have could have been even shorter and quicker to me the material found in here feels more like a blog post than an entire yeah. book i think the information is, but he has lots and lots of anecdotes, which are helpful because you start yeah. to see yourself in some of the stories that he tells and that helps kind of flesh out the ideas. Um, so it is a quick, easy read. It's called When Sorry Isn't Enough and it's by Gary Chapman and Jennifer Thomas. Well, thanks for joining us and please join us next time when we discuss Gary Chapman's other book, The Five Love Languages. Bye for now. Bye for now. This episode is brought to you by ShowIt. Are you stuck in a boring website template? Experience true creative freedom with the drag and drop simplicity of a ShowIt website. Get started for free at showit.co.